Hello, Dugs. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Conversations. I wasn't prepared for the Doug's intro, and I have the biggest a smile on my face. Welcome to another book club episode. Obviously, we are still going over Tress of the Emerald Sea. So much appreciate all of the feedback and commentary that y'all are throwing up. So thankful to everyone who are making these book club episodes possible over on the Patreon. And if you join at the $5 level, you can get the current book club episodes, which are all about the Frugal Wizards Handbook. It's a lot of fun over there right now. We're doing some mythology. Next episode's all about magic. But... For the Tress of the Emerald Sea book club, we wanted to shout out a couple of our favorite patrons. Especially people who have just joined new patrons. We have Bibiana and Alec. Thanks so much. Great to have you over on the Patreon, and we hope you enjoy our book club episodes. And then we had a couple of patrons who left us feedback, including Charles, who said that we're just the best Cosmere podcast out there and that he really appreciates the thoughtful, researched and qualitative podcast episodes that we bring. Now, the research is all Brooke. Got to give the hats off to them. I appreciate that feedback. My outline notes uh, needed that validation. Yes, which is also why you can get the notes over on Patreon as well. If you want the super secret Brooke notes to each and every one of our episodes, those are available as well. Another thanks to Brittany, who suggested that we make merch. Yeah, we've had a couple of people who've asked about merch. So The thing about merch is there's got to be enough people that want the merch. If so, you want merch, you let us know and let us know what type of merch you would want. Yeah, do you need a coffee cup? Do you want my personal pet merch idea, which is a jersey-style shirt that says Doug on the back? That one's good. I've seen requests for similar jerseys for Bridge 4. I've seen some Mistborn Pig requests. Obviously, a classic. And the one that I always thought was a great idea, and I believe Dragonsteel has actually made this bit of merch. Is that the Nightblood letter opener? That's We're all getting fancy that style? this year. Oh man, I'm it's so excited come about that. In one, one of our boxes. So maybe if there's some merch that Dragonsteel is missing out on, that's where we fill those gaps. That's a niche market that we yeah. can. Oh my, honestly, I would love to hear people's Cosmere merch wish list like it doesn't even have to be Cosmere conversations related just tell me I know people have great merch ideas I want to hear them one of our longest patrons from the very beginning Matt D we appreciate you he had these very nice words to say about the podcast that we speak his language the language of Cosmere nerds and that there are not many Cosmere fans in his real life, in his personal life, and it's good to hear what other people are thinking. That's why we started the whole podcast in the first place. Exactly. We are each other's only Cosmere person IRL, and so we decided to like make ourselves a Cosmere community, and it's been so wonderful all these years, and so just a big thanks to everyone 
listening, uh, everyone who reaches out in any way, and of course, to all of our patrons. You can join now at any level to receive lots of fun bonuses on the Patreon. For now, though, let's catch up because this is kind of a two-part series on the spores of Tress's story. And so much last time we went over the different types of spores, right, Brooke? Yeah, we had so much to say. We ended up needing to split this into two parts. There is still so much to say about the spores that are coming from these deviant aethers. And in our last episode, you had made a few sort of side comments about the potential bonding nature of Mm -hmm. spores. And I want to start by diving into that more and looking at this bond situation. We do have mention of something called a Luhel bond, which obviously seems to be related in some way to the Nahel bond on Rashar. Yeah, jumped out at me a lot. And I know we continue to give Tress this praise, but I feel like this is the way to introduce the rest of the Cosmere and make those connections is by just dropping something that sounds like something else. You don't need to spend any exposition telling us directly Mm -hmm. what this connection is. We are able to infer it and make then a bunch of random speculative (laughs) guesses on what it is likely to be. Yeah, like, Brandon, don't underestimate your fan base. We will speculate on the smallest thing that you give us. It doesn't need to be a lot. 100%. I think it's (laughs) a little bit like the movie Inception and the concept that your dream mind will just fill in all the gaps of the weird story or the lack of people. It was just like, oh, yeah, of course, I was in a crowd of people. It's like, were you in a crowd of people in your dream? That doesn't happen. Your mind just kind of like fills in people's faces and whatnot to give you the sense of things. We have the sense of an important bond with this introduction of the Luhel bond seemingly It may also be what we saw with Twin Soul in The Lost Metal, and I think we're going to be making lots of references and kind of crossing back and forth. So it's been really nice to have the book club going on and our Lost Metal on the main feed to see those comparisons. Yeah, and I think when we start talking about Twin Soul, of course, we always need to be careful because as we detailed in depth in our last episode, these spores that we are seeing on Lumar are not typical aethers. And so my sense is that this Luhel bond is something that we are seeing with typical aethers, which would be what we see with Twinsel, but is not what we see on Lumar. Here's, quote, most aether spores, like the verdant spores and the zephyr spores, don't involve any kind of bond. Using them as a simple matter of cause and effect, compressed aether drops to the planet in the form of spores, and a little water encourages it to grow in an explosive burst, end quote. I think it's also important to remind everyone that in this instance, that is not a character description of what happens. That is the narrator, which is Hoyd. Exactly. And so it's hard for me to understand exactly what is absolutely true, what is speculative, and then what is the way that Brandon so often does, a 
character or society failure to like understand your own history or understand where you came from and that leads you to make incorrect assumptions well i think because this is hoid we have to give a little more yeah we're at much lower a risk of this being an unreliable narrator type situation now there is a thing that breaks the mold and you know how i feel about this whenever there are contradictions in the rules i'm like none of the rules matter anymore (laughs) if there's one contradiction then everything falls apart and Midnight Spores and the Midnight Essence does not follow this pattern. There seems to be a soft Luhel bond that is allowing for, or a temporary Luhel bond that is allowing yeah. for that connection to the, the creatures, which are used for spine and whatnot. I think that actually is a quote from the text that it is a temporary Luhel bond, uh, which is interesting and as you point out we should pay attention when something is not following the established rules questions about why midnight spores might be different why even the deviant aether is operating on some type of bond when others are not is this a situation where there is a division similar to higher spren and lower spren Mm, that's interesting i didn't necessarily make that connection but last time in the book club we did talk a lot about the comparison between the midnight mother and this aether on lumar Mm. i wonder maybe if that is the change that has allowed for a difference compared to the other deviant aethers like if only the midnight two are unconnected like physically cognitively spiritually the midnight mother and the midnight aether yeah because as we talked about in our last episode these aethers surrounding lumar seem to be cut off from the capital t true aethers that exist elsewhere in the cosmere i want to dive into some additional quotes while keeping in mind the concept of the Nahelbon maybe being a extreme example on the spectrum rather than directly in the middle of like a bell curve. You know, it's not the median bond in the Cosmere. It may be on one far end of the spectrum. That's at least my soft speculation coming into some of these quotes directly from the text. Quote, Unlike the Nahel bond, which trades in consciousness and anchoring to reality, the Luhel bond trades in physical matter, in this case, water, end quote. What do you think about that introduction of like water as the means of trade or balancing compared to consciousness or reality anchoring? Yeah, I think this does seem to be on a sliding scale so that the temporary bond you know is the sort of lightest form that we've seen so far Mm. and then the luhel bond would come next based in the physical world and trading mm, less weighty things sure so that water is being traded for minor well I guess I don't want to say minor, but water is being traded for control over a specific substance. 
And then, as you said, I think you're right, on the far end of the spectrum would be the Nahal bond, which is trading in power and... Consciousness. And consciousness, yeah, which are elevated, right? They're much more exactly. complicated, stakes complex things that are happening that are being traded within that bond, which seems appropriate because aethers seem to be maybe older or just more primitive in some ways than shard power, particularly stormlight power that we see on Rashar. And so there seems to be a, a growth or a progression in between these powers, like perhaps the aethers Again, I hesitate to say, like, came before Adenalsium, but that is their lore. And I think this sort of backs that up. Right. The way that it's manifesting, the way that it exists in the universe is kind of supporting the concept that it's not a direct spawn of Adenalsium like the shards were. And not only that it's not a direct spawn, but that it is earlier, older more ancient because it is more at the bottom of the pyramid in Maslow's hierarchy. It seems to be based in, you know, very physical type things, vegetation, water. It's trading something physical for physical things, Rather physical power. Rather than the shards, which are all based around an idea, a right. concept of preservation doesn't necessarily make sense to something primal like vegetation. They yeah. don't think in that type of manner, but a person would look at a, a garden and want to preserve that. It's for the benefit of the person, not necessarily for the plant that just wants to grow. They're and just much more intangible ideas. Now, before we zoom out too far, let's stay focused on the text and on Lumar and kind of highlight what makes these spores unique there. Another thing that is unique specifically to the Midnight Essence in its weird temporary bondness is that when a person, or at least when Tress forms that temporary bond with the Midnight Essence, that bond is visible in these black lines. Kind of like smoky lines. Yeah. Like and those lines can be physically severed using a silver knife. So that, again, it is very much living in the physical world. I think it's really interesting that there is this literal physical manifestation of the bond happening. Okay, so this brings me to what I said in the last episode, is if we think of aethers more akin to mushrooms and fungi and those fungal networks that are developed, stay with me here. When there is a bond, this temporary Luhel bond, that brings the network into the physical realm so that you can start to see it and start to visualize something that is always there and always present. To me, that's how the transfer of water and that, that physical medium is happening between the moons and the planet is that all these spores have like a network. osmosis? No, 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 not osmosis. A Again, I would use the phrase like a fungal network here on Earth, but in I mean, sure, the Cosmere, but, it's an aether network that exists. But you're thinking it's like literally everywhere just existing like in the 
air in the atmosphere or something. And so the water is being slurped into what we would say is just thin air, but there is actually an invisible the lines. aether All of these network. lines are there, like a network, roads that exist, just as it does in a fungal system. And I don't think that it's necessarily everywhere, just like mushrooms are not everywhere on planet Earth. But certainly if you're in a forest, then there's a good chance that there's a huge network of interconnected fungi all under you. In the same way, in investiture spaces, and we're going to get into this, something they called the field or an investiture field, I think is really the investiture network, the Aether network, and that is what is required for all of this to work. That's a lot of stuff all at once. But I I think that the Midnight Essence is the one that is allowing it to come into the physical world, and that's why it can be physically severed as well with that silver knife. I don't know. I Not convinced. Yeah, I that's fine. I mean, I I'm speculating a lot, and this is not in the text. I'm just trying to imagine... Why and what's going on with these lines? Because I don't think that it can only be with the Midnight Aether. I think this relationship is what we see with Twin Soul and the Primal Aethers. Well, it is, obviously. Yeah. The Luhal Bond is the normal way that Aethers operate. That's exactly what is happening with Twin Soul and any other Aether bound. Now, so my question would be, do you think that there would be a way to physically separate Twinsel from Salajana, his aether. Yes, you would have to cut out the aether bud that is in his hand. With either silver or I was thinking maybe with a shard blade, like that might be able to sever Mm -hmm. in a similar way. I mean, this is the thing about aethers, though. As we've been discussing, they are much more in the physical world. I think that if you just literally physically cut the bud out of his hand, regardless of what type of knife you're using, the relationship will be severed interesting i would probably agree i might say that you can cut it out and his relationship would be severed but he might have some way to then regenerate that bud i can see there being something like lingering in his blood or something but i think baseline you cut out the bud the bond is done let's actually go over to a, a quote directly from Twinsel when he was asked about the limits of his aethers mm-hmm. and his powers. Quote, Alas, there are indeed serious limits. I can only maintain rosite objects under certain fields of investiture. Some planets have those naturally, but yours does not. So my rosite creations outside of our safe house must, must be touching me or they will disintegrate. It also requires water drawn from my body to fuel the creations. End quote. So I find this concept of an investiture field maybe supporting what I'm talking about with the Aether network existing, and that's what he is saying. He's saying that there is no Aether network on this planet. If there right, was, but then it how would, would self-sustain. He have, how would he have built one in the safe house? Because just in the same way that the Elantrian builds a ship where her powers work, or on the smaller scale, you have a box where the Seon can live and still operate. It's like he carved out a little section for himself and then made the network like a a node instead of being directly connected to the rest of the network. It's completely separate physically, and then you just have one line that's connecting node to main network. Well, I think there may be a similarity 
between those three locations, we know that the box that the Sions live in are lined in aluminum, mm-hmm. which basically prevents them from knowing that they have left their native location. Right. I think that... It's probably like it makes sense to expand that to the ship as well. The ship is obviously also is it aluminum or silver? It's one of those. It We're going to talk like about both silvery, in a second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that that would also do the same type of thing, sort of insulating the inside of the ship to be remote Elantris mm-hmm. where power can work. So maybe the safe house is lined with aluminum also. I feel like you're getting really caught up in this like fungal network theory and I I just don't understand. I, I'm not convinced to begin with and I don't understand how Twin Soul would have like built something like that inside of a house. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, because I he has the in, bud I'm and the intrigued. bud is able to begin any type of new growth would be my speculation. That would be the importance of the bud. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Again, I don't want to get like too caught up in only that theory. I am intrigued about the idea of investiture fields and how those might exist. Like, is it the same as something like a speed bubble, some type of bubble that can be put up? Like, how would you code it to be a specific type of investiture? Do you have to? Or is it blank investiture field? Maybe there's both. I am intrigued by the idea and how one might possibly go about creating it. Yes, because right now we don't have really any other characters talking about this investiture field. Yeah. And that strikes me as weird because if, as Twinsel is saying, I need this to exist so that my powers work, if that was the case for everyone else across the Cosmere, it seems like it would be a thing people talk about. But what I, mean, I think... I guess it kind of is, though, right? That's the whole crux of Thytokar and Rhythm of War and trying to remove investiture from specific planets. Like, maybe that is what they're talking about, just in long form. Or that the field of investiture is just another way of saying... Mm, I was going to say concentration of investiture. I've talked myself out of this as I was speaking. But like if there are shards on a planet, then obviously there is a tremendous amount of investiture. Maybe that generates a field in the same way there's an electromagnetic field. But then it would be the same on Skadriel as everywhere else. So then I'm wondering, is a field present if the investiture is in the environment? Like would Rashar have an investor investiture shield around the planet scadrial doesn't because it's coming through metals only that's a really interesting way to look at it because there certainly is that division in the cosmere and we've talked about that how some magic systems are more in the physical embodiment of the thing and some are more universally available okay so if we had scadrial is in the metal rishar is certainly in the environment. Taldane, I think, would be in the environment. Yes. And I think Nalthus would probably be in the people, in the breaths, not in the environment. But then you also it's have those unclear. like tears of Edgly, which are definitely y- Right. So it's unclear if it is only in the 
people or if there's also something going on specifically with color and light waves. Now, can we go to the most intriguing bit of information, at least from my perspective, this concept that Tress may be a trendsetter. She may be a, I was going to say spore savant, but that has a specific meaning in the Cosmere. I mean, she may be a virtuoso, someone who is naturally inclined to be great at the spores. She seems to have a affinity for the spores and in particular the verdant spores even though those are not supposed to be the type that allows a bond we have this quote she could feel as always a sensation beyond the vines nothing so distinct as a mind an impression end quote and this is the only time that she says something like this is when she's using or in relationship with the verdant aethers. She doesn't say anything like that with the midnight or any other type. It's specifically the verdant ones, which I find interesting, again, because this is supposed to be one of the quote-unquote lower types that are not forming a bond on Lumar. I think the answer may be that they have not formed a bond in a way that anybody recognizes as a Luhel bond. Because there's, of course, one gigantic example of a possible Luhel bond in the Spore Eaters that everybody knows about. That's what I would say is closer to what a Luhel bond would look like on Lumar. I don't necessarily think that even though Tress can sort of sense beyond the vines to the the parent aether on the moon is i'm assuming what she is sensing i don't think i don't think that that's a bond i don't think that it has the potential to form a bond i think it is always going to be something closer to white sand where she may be able to get better and more skilled at using the aethers at this water exchange, but I don't think it's ever going to be a Luhel bond. If there is a Luhel bond, like you say, I think it's the spore eaters. Let's talk about them. Definitely, because Crow, Captain Crow, is introduced with this air of danger around her. Everybody is kind of afraid. And then we realize it is because she has become one of these monsters, this death sentence, but until then, really scary spore eater of the Verdant Aether. And as you're saying, I I think that I agree this is seemingly like a Luhel bond. It is not necessarily temporary because it kills the host or the, yeah, the host. She is the host of the Aether in this case. Yeah, it's definitely not temporary. It is impossible to reverse. (laughs) Yeah, even the dragon says that Captain Crow coming to him to be cured was a fool's errand because while he can make it subside for a little while like a remission it's always temporary yeah she can go into remission but it's pretty much permanent here's the description quote crow is host to an aggressive strain of the verdant parasite your lore calls people like her spore eaters though i find that an imprecise term 
end quote. And that's from Ulam. He goes on to say, quote, she is connected directly to the prime verdant aether growing on the moon. It needs water to survive and the moon has none. So it somehow infects people on the planet, end quote. This is why we always see Captain Crow drinking and the exchange, that exchange of water is eventually fatal. Everyone dies of dehydration. It has like just- an exponential requirement yes Yes. and so the longer at some point she will not be able to drink enough water for it to survive and then she will die and again to me that sounds like just an aggressive type of mushroom infestation that is absorbing everything possible from a host until it dies and then the fungus just recedes back and expands to a new location that feels like what is going on she does get a little bit of a benefit from this in that until Mm -hmm. she dies (laughs) the aether will protect her from anyone else killing her basically it's like i have chosen this human to kill and no one else is allowed to kill it (laughs) until i say so exactly until i do (laughs) i take from it what i need i am protecting this thing in this case i think that we have those you know, extreme reactions when Crow is threatened and endangered and it like bursts from her, the aether like physically bursts from her almost as when a spore is given water and Mm -hmm. it just like rapidly expands to catch bullets or, or deflect swords. And that type of, you know, automatic protect it doesn't seem like it's something that crow is thinking about. Like, uh, Kaladin would say, you know, Syl, I need you as a shield type of, concept yeah. it's I mean, just it all happening at once like, it seems like the aether has a way of i don't want to say seeing but sensing mm-hmm. the world around crow in some way like independent of crow because it has a specific idea of what protecting the host means and it will only react if an attack might pierce the skin that is what Tress exploits um, when she is coming up with how to get Crow out of the picture without triggering the vines. Right there, there are other ways to threaten her that the Aether will not see as a threat. And so I think it's really interesting that it has kind of a sophisticated definition of what it considers to be danger. And then we have all kinds of questions about how does it make that decision? How does it see, sense the world around Crow in order to react. And I would think that this is a combination of what we've talked about in each of our main episodes and these book club episodes is this concept of existing for a long period of time, like autonomy dropping their investiture for the island of Pechi, as an example. Simply allowing that to grow over time and become self-sufficient there is so much like power behind you know that dense bit of investiture that consciousness seems to manifest itself from that power and from that complexity it's not inert it is something that is able to grow and change and i kind of think that that's what's happened with these aethers that's what tress is sensing a Mm. a hive mind but only within the network that used to be too small to do this type of 
mental calculation. But then as time has passed, that network has grown and regrown and kind of like reformed itself into a situation where it can operate like this. I mean, in a way, it seems maybe more sophisticated than the true Aethers, because I don't know if the true Aethers require a Luhel bond with a human like Twin Soul. We see in the Lost Metal that Twin Soul is operating as the eyes, hands, whatever, to Selajana. So Selajana is able to see what's happening around Twin Soul because it's basically seeing through Twin Soul's eyes. But if we were to cut out that roseite bud and just leave the bud somewhere on Scadriel, would it still be seeing and sensing things? Or would Selajana lose sense through that bud? My sense is that it relies on twin soul. Mm -hmm. And so then it's interesting that on Lumar, kind of the same thing is happening. The parent aether on the moon is using all of its little baby aethers as eyes and hands on the ground. But it is not requiring a human, maybe? Or maybe it does. And that is what the spore eater is. Like, it can only see out of the spore eater. And the other spores are dead, not dead, but not sensate. Yeah, not sentient or not able to perform those complicated tasks that would benefit the aether. And mainly what we know about that is it wants more water, needs more water. And I would think that if we continue to explore the Luhelbon through other true aetherbound people like Twin Soul, that's where our answers are going to come from, because I don't know if we're going to go back to Lumar and this planet. Yeah. But it certainly provides lots of questions. And one of my biggest is what is going on with the way that the spores react to different metals? And why are the spores reacting to metals in a way that we would think investiture from the shards does only? Yes. Let's talk about all of the different ways that spores can be controlled. So many interesting things in this category. Let's maybe just run through them all quickly, and then we can talk about them all sort of in relationship to each other. Okay. We'll start with silver. Silver seems to be universally actively anti-investiture. We also see it used on Shadow's Uh, for silence. And it's the same on Lumar. Silver kills spores. Aluminum seems to be universally investiture inert, where it doesn't kill them. It just doesn't really do anything. Mm -hmm. And it's used on Lumar to shield spores from silver in their fabrials. Yes. I always think of the blade guards that are put on shard blades made of aluminum so that the shard blade can be used in the training situations. We also have salt, which seems to sometimes be anti-investiture, or at least maybe only on Lumar. That might be a planet-specific thing, because we have this parable that Tress gives us early in the story. Quote, they teach their children this ever so important rule. Salt and silver halt the killer. End quote. 
And finally, we see iron and steel being used to pull, in the case of iron, spores towards that piece of iron, and steel pushing spores away, exactly what we would see on Scadrial and someone like Wax. I find all of this incredibly interesting. Brandon really has done something special here because these things are like going off like bombs inside of my brain, but I don't quite know the source or I feel like they're really important, but I can't see why. (laughs) And it's tripping me up and it's making me once again, you know, more excited to be a part of the Cosmere and to figure these things out together as a community. I think it's especially interesting to see silver and aluminum together, working together in this book. We've not seen them together on a single planet in a single magic system until now. And I feel like we tend to think of aluminum, we tend to conflate them Mm -hmm. because we typically only see aluminum. So it was cool to also see silver and then sort of parse out the difference in between those two metals and the way that they are reacting with investiture. I loved the concept of Tress as the innovator, a la like Steve Jobs and Wozniak creating the iPhone from all of these existing things. But she looked at, I think it was uh, one of the bombs or like the cannonballs that was used to explode and release water. But that involved using spores and triggers and different timings within the show. And then she went on to innovate and use spores. And I imagine if we did follow and and pick up with Tress, she would only become more proficient at that type of multiple uses of spores, multiple uses of metals, all combining to create fabrials of incredible power. And I see them almost like little what are they called? Rube Goldberg machines where like the ball will drop and it will trigger a little spinning wheel and it will take it all the way up to the top and then drop again. That's almost what's going on inside of different inventions because you have like spores in a little silver pouch over here that then gets pierced and drips water down so that in a certain amount of time, like it's all really, really complicated, but feels so purposefully done by Brandon. And all of this just leads me to some really big questions that you alluded to. We've been talking about investiture fields related to aethers, the fact that aethers can be controlled by the same types of materials that control investiture or they react in the same way. And so if spores and aethers are not from adenalsium, As their lore says. Supposedly, they're coming from a completely different source. Why are they reacting to things exactly the way that forms of investiture would? Does that mean that adenalsium is not capital G God, that there is some other, like, bigger source that created all of the investiture in the universe that is the creator of both aethers, you know, aethers and adenalsium are both drawing from that well Mm -hmm. in order to create two different investiture systems? That's my question. It's a good one. And I think that the question is adenalsium God, capital G God, the one and only creator of all things and the universe, I believe is no. 
because it's the exact same experience that we would have reading these books from the very beginning, starting with, uh, let's go with Vin and Kelsier, playing around on a single planet, which has a god, psych, there's two, but they have a mm. god figure. You're that, just saying like, because it would be fractal, Yep, we should say that it's, all it's the same experience. 100%. I mean, I think that... For them, we're going from a situation of there's one god, no, there's two gods, no, there's 16 gods. Psych, there was only one god? No, like it's not going backwards. It's just going to continually get more fractured. And while we may see a tiny slice of the Cosmere and say like, oh, this is the explanation. In reality, it's like how we can only see where light has traveled to throughout the universe, but the universe is bigger than where light has traveled to. So are Aethers and Adenalsium like siblings, do you think? I would say... Or do you think that all of the Aether lore is a lie and Aethers actually did come from Adenalsium? Mm, that's, I think that is a possibility that we have to at least be able to conceptualize that like Adenalsium is the top thing and the Aether people are just misunderstood. But I would kind of compare it, again, to a breakdown that we have here on Earth. We have the plant kingdom, we have the animal kingdom, and we have the fungus kingdom. And fungus are not animals, and they are not plants. They're another thing entirely. Mm -hmm. But they are all bound by, we'll say, like, the rules of physics here on Earth. So... Just because fungus is a different thing doesn't mean it can break the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. I would say, too, that Adenalsium is like the animal kingdom. Aethers are like the fungal kingdom. And they are bound by the rules of physics as they exist in the Cosmere. So, so you do think there's more of a ultimate power that we don't know about and Aethers and Adenalsium are siblings sourced yeah I, siblings is a fine way to think of it yeah sourced from the same well i wonder a lot about this concept of i think there's a very like famous stoner quote slash you know cool science kid quote that goes if you leave hydrogen alone for long enough it begins to wonder who it is and where it came from because our whole universe is just hydrogen expanding and condensing over and over until you get everything that we know of. And so I would say that's kind of where my philosophical approach is going to, that's like the map I'm going to put onto the Cosmere as well. And I think that if you leave investiture alone for long enough in the Cosmere, you get either Aether or Adenalsium. You get them like concentrating hmm. power in different ways and like finding ways to use this investiture. And one of them became Adenalsium and one of them became all the Aethers. So then theoretically, there could be a person that is capable or like figures out how to use investiture that is not using a, an Adenalsium or shard or spore based magic system i think that's a lovely question and i believe we already have the if answer there's to that. some you know type of magical person that can just like reach into the fabric of the universe yeah and absorb investiture I, from it i think we got the person already i think that everybody knows who it is and we just don't want to say it because i think the answer is thydekar i think what? that what we saw at the end of the lost metal with the descriptions of 
the individual axi that exist and thytocar being able to see those individual axi mm-hmm. and having the ability to understand them like a metal, like the pull and push of mm-hmm. iron and steel mm-hmm. is the way of indicating that iron and steel is an illusion. Everything is just push and pull in this universe, that there is simply a ability to... Sorry, go ahead. He says that he has the sight of a god Mm -hmm. in that one eye, which, as you're describing, makes sense. However, being able to see like a god does not mean that you have the power of a god. In fact, it's explicitly stated that he does not not have any powers or access to power. I think it's a little bit like... A if a planet has a moon, then the people or the life forms on that planet are going to eventually want to get up to the moon like we experienced here on Earth. Eventually, if there's a big, gigantic thing out there that you can see, you're going to want to explore and go there. I and mean, I don't think... can see deep down into the fabric of the Cosmere. And I think he's going to want to go there. I don't know if that he means gonna he'll get there. He is going to want to, but yeah, yeah I, I think those are two very different things. I think he's a far distance off, but I think that is He might the be the John the Baptist and sort of saying like, I can see what is possible. I can see what is coming. I will teach you what you need to know about the universe. But I don't think he is the Messiah. What about making a connection over to Rhythm of War? Because we get a little bit of Ars Arcanum and Chris knowledge as well. Yeah, I just want to remind everybody from our original Aethers episode back a few months ago, anti-investiture and the ability to create something from intent have something to do with Aethers, according to Chris in the Rhythm of War Ars Arcanum. Anti-investiture and being able to create by intent is related to Aethers. Should we read the quote again? It's kind of a long quote. And I I think that if you just trust us on yeah, that we've We've point. read it a few times on the podcast already, but I think probably everyone knows the quote that we're talking about from that Ars Arcanum. And I think that's just a good thing to have in our minds sort of bookmarked and flagged of how are these things related? What can we learn about anti-investiture and intent creation from Aethers? Is Midnight Aether anti-investiture? No, that seems weird. Now we're just having fun with the speculation. <laughs> now we're just having fun. <laughs> I was just thinking like Aether, an Aether of Night, the Night Aether is sort of supposed to be this evil thing so maybe it's anti-investiture and now it's midnight aether but i'm totally just going down a rabbit hole here's what i'll say on this topic i am curious if what we were just talking about the difference between the kingdoms here on earth if we existed in the animal kingdom we may see the other kingdoms as in opposition to us we don't well at least some people do. yeah exactly some people do we shouldn't Think of ourselves as in opposition to the plants or in opposition to the fungus. But I'm I'm curious if when Chris is saying it has something to do with Aether's anti-investiture, perhaps investiture is just looking at the Aether kingdom and saying that's the opposite of me because it's not of ad as mm. we have previously discussed. 
I don't think so. It's kind of a because it's an easy cop out in a lot of ways. As we've been talking about, if they are both operating on investiture, like investiture will recognize investiture regardless of the form that it takes, right? Investiture would have sight like Kelsier, where it would just see investiture, yes. Are we defining investiture in this case as the power of the shards or just the power of the Cosmere? The pure power. Of the Cosmere. Yes. Okay. And And we think that maybe the shards come from that and maybe aethers come from that. Yeah, it seems like shards are organizing that power into a system that can be accessed by people. 100% understand. And I think that explains a lot. I I can continue to speculate and continue to throw out a lot of these ideas. But what I would really love is some feedback from our listeners. What do you think about Aethers, an Aether network, Tress, ability and maybe a affinity for the spores will she become queen of the spores inventing fabrials left and right turning lumar into a wondrous like travel destination to get cool tech in the cosmic to already be a big travel destination there are a lot of people on yeah we're gonna talk about that in an upcoming episode yeah next time we are gonna talk a little bit more about the characters we're definitely gonna spend a lot of time talking about the narrator hoyd and Really appreciate everyone's feedback. Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. 